We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Boy. You are listening to KC Sports Network, the number one podcast network for today's Kansas City sports fans. With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts or on our YouTube channel, all over social media, or our morning newsletter, KCSN Daily, dedicated to your Kansas City Chiefs. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in Possible. KC Laboratory, sponsored by Emprise Bank. It's a live episode of the KC Laboratory presented by Emprise Bank. An Emprise Bank debit card is good anywhere. You have access to 55,000 fee-free ATMs worldwide through the All Point ATM network. You can get the same kind of access to your money as any bank across the country while getting the value of working with a trusted partner in Emprise. That's Emprise Bank. Member FDIC, our partner in Possible here at KC Sports Network. Matthew Lane, you are home in Carolina. You are no longer chief in Carolina. You're you're Maddie KCSN, but you are back home after a wonderful weekend here in Kansas City. I am. I uh, I had a great time. Uh, I came out. We um, you know had our charity golf tournament for KCSN. Great turnout. Everybody that was there. Everybody that helped out. You guys are heroes. You guys are the best. We had a lot of fun, a lot of success. Because of your guys' support, we are able to do Feed It Forward again in the KC area for another year. So we are super, super appreciative of everything you guys did, everyone that turned out and helped out with that. It was a blast. I had a lot of fun while I was there. Kent, I, we were all missing you. Everybody there was missing you. We were all sad that you couldn't make it as you sip on your tea trying to recover from you know, from being a little under the weather from something that you should have had two years ago, but you have now. Yeah, I finally, I finally succumbed to the, uh, to the COVID. Uh, it's that old immune it, system. Almost three years, man. It took me almost three years to finally get it. And I got it at the absolute worst time. Uh, didn't get to see Craig, Maddie, anybody, Bearcat. Uh, didn't get to go to the KCSN golf tournament. Didn't get to go to Kingdom Bar and do the show with Maddie. Uh, so I am still, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm a little on the mend. If you hear me coughing a little bit, I'm sorry. Uh, please, please show me a little grace here. Uh, but we uh, we might have to show a little grace to the Chiefs after this game. 
Jeez, hey, hold on, before we get going, I got to, I got to, I do got to say this and I'm sorry to interrupt you. I didn't mean to or plan this. The amount of people that realized that you were ducking our one-on-one basketball game because you were faking this sickness that came up to me and agreed. Like, you know, they were like, yeah, no, I saw him the other day walking around. He looked just fine. The amount of people that came up to me and said that, like they said, they saw you working on your corner jumper down down at the park like they said that's what you were doing instead of getting there is crazy at least 12 people came up to me and said that so i just i had to get that out there you are clearly perpetuating that (laughs) i'm sorry i saw the kcsn discord i saw the i saw the smack you were having people talk on your behalf and i just didn't didn't have to do anything I, okay, we can continue now. We can get on with the show. I just had to let you know that everyone's on to your games. Quit making me laugh, man. This is not good. I I held up strong for the for the post game show. This might even be a little bit more a little bit more difficult today. Please hit the like button and please hit the subscribe button if you're watching. Though it helps us grow this channel. Um, leave some comments. Tell us what you uh, what you're wanting us to talk about today a little bit too. We might answer some questions at the end of this one. Feels like a good week to probably do it. I can't wait to see how many questions. Uh, we get about trade deadline. I'm going to set the over under at four and a half. Jordan, you're going to have to keep an eye on that. DraftKings might might set a line for us. Who knows? We'll see. Uh, we'll talk about them a little bit later too. Um, Matthew, we, we've got a little bit of time here now. Obviously, we normally do the show on Monday. We do it on a Tuesday this week. Just what what are your feelings just farther removed from that game? Uh, Okay. I, I guess I wasn't upset. It's still kind of the same thing as it was with the post game show. Like I'm not, this isn't a loss that's going to like linger in the way the Colts loss lingered for a little while. And you're just kind of angry as a fan, the way everything's played out. The loss makes sense. It's against a really good football team, you know, in the Buffalo bills, arguably the best one in the entire NFL and the chiefs played them essentially to, you know, a tie or to a win down to the final two minutes of the game. So that's fine. Like I feel generally okay with how the majority of it went down. There's some little, you know, things that we're going to pick at throughout the whole game here that probably upset me a little bit more. Some things that I think are going to hold a little more bearing going forward. Like, you know, a few things that might come back to bite the Chiefs versus other good teams or if they play the Bills again. But for the most part, like it was a loss between two really good teams that played about evenly through the majority of the game. I don't think that's something to get stuck on if you're a Chiefs fan. Yeah, I would tend to agree. Um, And I don't think this, like, it was a 24-20 football game. I think both teams left plenty to improve upon. And I think like that's a game where neither played the best version of football that we're going to see from them this year. I mean, I it, you know, it kind of feels like the Bills have been a little hot and cold, a little hit or miss um with, you know, what kind of performance you're getting from them. Are you getting an A-plus game? Are you getting a, you know, B-minus or worse game? That doesn't feel like, you know, there's kind of a gap there. Um, with the Chiefs, I mean, I just you haven't seen them fire on all cylinders consistently for four quarters outside of, you know, the Arizona Cardinals game, which I don't want to put any stock into whatsoever. Um, and that like that's just like that's just something I kind of observe is like I feel like both teams probably walk away feeling like there's plenty of things that they could have done to change the outlook of that football game and they did it. Um, and you know, I, I don't think I, it was a good football game. It was a very good football game. Both teams did some things to kind of force some mistakes from both from both teams, no doubt about it. But I just, you know, I, I think there's a lot of meat on the boat, a lot of ceiling left for these football teams. And it's just going to be a matter of, I think, long term, just a matter of which one winds up getting closer to their ceiling in, in when it matters the most. It's it's a race from here on out. Yes, they're you know, you're racing against 
you know, the schedule to try to get the one seed. Chiefs are probably not getting the one seed. They're essentially two eight games out now. But I think it's just a race to see who can who can achieve that ceiling when it matters the most. Well, yeah, no, let's let's go down the ceiling path because this is one of the kind of my takeaways here from this game. I think both teams will clearly still change, improve, and get worse at all these different areas. But at the end of the day, you know, you're coming out of this game and you're ranking a Chiefs performance on a one to ten scale from what you saw, and you're ranking the Bills on a one to ten scale. I think the Bills probably played a cleaner game. They probably played a little bit closer to whatever their perceived ceiling is going to be. I don't mean that there's not room left out there, but their defensive game plan was absolutely excellent and a little bit different than what they normally do. They traditionally only play nickel. They only rush four. They play zone behind it. What do they do in this game? Man coverage. A lot of rush three with the spy that was inserting late. They played a lot more dime in this game. So like they changed a bunch of stuff out of their norm to get this result. I think they executed very well the vast majority of the time. I think they played closer to the ceiling. They are a better team right now, but they played closer to their ceiling. Whereas the Chiefs, I felt like they didn't come as close to their ceiling. They're farther away from whatever their ceiling is going to be. And now, you know, before I let you either rip me apart or agree here, I think the Chiefs reaching their ceiling, a lot less guaranteed than the Bills reaching theirs. I think the Bills will play at a high level again and again and again because they've kind of shown you that that's who they are the past two, two and a half years. That's what they've been this year. They play really close to their ceiling the majority of the time. The Chiefs are all over the place, right? And now with all these new pieces, we don't really know what that ultimate high end looks like. Maybe you can point to the first half of the Bucks game. Maybe you can point to certain areas, but really figuring out what this team is, we don't know yet. I just feel like their execution, their game plan leaves a little bit more meat on the bone you just don't know. You don't have that same confidence they're going to get there, I guess, as you do with the Bills. I think that's fair. You've seen the the Bills just I, come out and just hammer teams. You know, and I mean, yeah, the Bucks game is probably another good example, too. I mean, there's some inconsistencies there, too. But um, I look at, yeah, I think I think there's probably more. I, I would say I think I agree that there's probably more potential to the Chiefs. Like you, and you can talk about players coming back, and we can talk about that in a second. Um, because I, I have like if we're gonna stack the Bills and the Chiefs together, I think Trey Davius White coming back is even potentially more valuable and probably more valuable than Willie Gay and Trent McDuffie coming back for the Chiefs because I think Trey Davius White's one of the best cornerbacks in football. But I do think that there's probably hey, it's our boys at cover one. Hey, salute all of those, salute yes. all those guys. They are absolutely shout wonderful. out for not dragging us too much in social media. <laughs> so far. Much those appreciated, are, guys. Those are our boys, man. Uh, cover one is uh, the the Bills, uh, the best Bills coverage in the world, and they are very similar to what we're doing here at KC Sports Network. Only for Buffalo, we were we normally go on each other's shows and stuff during Bills Week and all that stuff. Uh, we had we had Greg on on KCSN here with Tucker. Uh, Maddie went on uh, with Anthony this week, I believe. Um, yeah. So yeah, they're the they're the absolute best. So shout out all those guys. We we love uh, we love the cover one guys out here. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I do think that I think the Chiefs probably left more on more on the bone than the Bills, and, and that's not saying that like the Bills aren't. There's still not plenty more for them to do, but I don't think the call sheet for the Chiefs was great. I don't think it was their A plus call sheet on offense at least um granted i think execution probably played a little bit with to do with that um obviously players at all, all levels of the field returning on the defensive side of the ball 
six weeks into this new offensive skill set. Like I still think like I think you can rationalize a lot of things for the Chiefs where you feel pretty good about like, okay, the next time that these two teams match up, which they probably will, I think the Chiefs will have more to say about kind of like what happened last year. Look what happened last. Like look like look what happened last season. The Chiefs got the brakes beat off of them in the regular season. They came back. It looked a lot different. I mean, it took a little bit of an effort late, but it still it wasn't the same kind of thing. Yeah, no, I I agree on that. And yeah, like I said, I definitely don't want to come out and say the Bills won't be better once you get to the playoffs and you play them again. I think they will be. I don't I don't think their offense played particularly great by their standards either, but it didn't feel like it was basically just them missing some execution stuff. It didn't seem like they were I don't we don't see as much of the Bills as you know we do the Chiefs, but it didn't seem like they were leaving out the stuff that they normally do. So I guess I am interested to see how both these teams progress going forward. As of right now, I have a little bit more hope, not even going to say faith at this point in time, but hope that the Chiefs' ultimate ceiling is a little bit higher based on what we've seen so far, or like they're a little bit farther away from, I don't even know about higher, just farther away from than what the Bills are. Um, So yeah, we'll see. And I guess this is a good point to probably talk about these injuries you're mentioning, right? Like just generally, we're talking about these two teams matching up again later. The Chiefs are without Trent McDuffie, Rashad Fenton, uh, Justin Reed gets banged up early on. He's able to stay in the game, but he's still banged up. Uh, Brian Cook was out. Willie Gay is out. They essentially they had a fair amount of injuries across the defensive side of the ball. Offensively, it's really only Blake Bell. I don't think that matters too much. So you have a bunch of defensive injuries for the Chiefs. I know the Bills will get Tredavious White. I know their defensive line has been banged up throughout the early part of the year, so they're going to get some guys back. I don't know. I don't believe it was any other starters, but they're going to get some depth guys that will play snaps and them back. So you would anticipate both defenses being healthier, being a little bit stronger if these two teams are to meet again. I did propose this, though. I think the Chiefs' injuries, guys missing, while not as good as Tredavious White, they're not as good players as Tredavious White, they maybe don't mean as much to their team's defense as Tredavious White does to the Bills. The Bills' defense played better in his absence than the Chiefs did in the absence of their guys. The Bills still changed how they played their defense. They still played man coverage. They still... They weren't getting beat defensively because Tredavious White wasn't out there. What are you going to do? Lock down Marquez Valdez-Scantling even more than you already did, right? Like, you can't do better than what was already really good, whereas I think the Chiefs' injuries directly resulted in some of the stuff the Bills were able to do, attacking the linebackers or the base defense in space because there is no Willie Gay, attacking Joshua Williams on the outside in high-leverage situations because two of the other starting quarterback, your cornerbacks aren't there. I just think the same thing. I get, I trust the Bills to play at this level all the time, even when White comes back. But the Chiefs, I think there's just a little bit more room for improvement, even though it's less proven at the end of the day. Yeah. And the question always is with the Chiefs, if they're going to achieve it, because like that's been something that hasn't always consistently shown is they've not always been able to flex the ceiling. They've all not always been able to play up to that ceiling. Um, there's <laughs> there's there's additions but there's also like i mean the continuity thing too like i think there's probably a little bit to be said about that they're still kind of finding their own way with this group um hopefully you see sky Moore get a little bit more involved i'd like to see that a little bit more especially you know hey marquez valdez scantling pretty up and down it's a bit it's been a it's been a pretty Weird. up and down journey <laughs> i know it's like strange so uncharacteristic of him i think you know like Chiefs fans are kind of like you can watch on tape and you can you can we can spend all offseason saying, hey, look, you know, big physical guy, good athlete, um, 
some downfield explosive playability. Awesome, right? A little inconsistent, you know. You can when you finally live it, I think it holds a little bit more water. Yeah. Um, okay, so the MVS conundrum right here, like this is kind of, I guess, what you're dealing with. He's a big dude that's really fast that can produce dynamic plays. He can make highlight catches that we've seen him make for the Chiefs. He can also drop a couple passes. He can be a little inconsistent, have quiet games. Go search MVS on any Packers website over the past four years. You know, it's that's exactly what the Chiefs are going through. And it stinks when you get to a game kind of like this. This is a this is a rough one that you know comes in. It looks like there's a chance for him to make a couple plays. He's not able to make it. So then you try to kind of you forget it. And you saw the Chiefs, I think, transition away from whatever, you know, the plays for MVS. I think like early in the game, he was getting a little bit of extra run. Some of it was broken plays, but it seemed like he was a little bit of the focal point. As the game went on, it went back to Travis Kelsey. It went, they tried to lean on the run game. It was more Juju Smith-Schuster. They kind of pulled away from that. And I think you're seeing that week in and week out. If MVS doesn't start the game off strong, building up that trust, they kind of, they, you know, go away from it. They swivel and they get away from going to him right away. If he starts off strong, they try to stick to him because he can be a weapon. So, you know, we will see how this plays out going forward. I have kind of gotten to the end of my chain of hope with MVS, right? I think he just is what he is. He's the same guy we've seen in Green Bay his entire career, which isn't a bad player. It's a very useful player. It's just when you come to the Chiefs and your calling card is being a vertical big wide receiver, that's not what they're going to use a lot. And like, that's the hard part. I think you have to accept as a Chiefs fan. Mahomes doesn't love those routes. He doesn't throw them a lot. The Chiefs don't run them a lot. I think MVS's fade and deep post percentage on his routes have dropped drastically since leaving Green Bay and coming to KC. They've taken away two of the things that he's done the most. They've put him on what's been more efficient routes in the NFL or for the Chiefs offense. It's just he's not as good on those. And that's not where he's excelling right now as a Chief. So he's just... It's a weird fit, and it's not really, I think, coming together, at least early on, the way I think some fans were hoping. But, Dulik, I guess, Maddie, do you think that there's more there, more of a plan for him, though? Like, that's the thing is, like, I kind of look at that and I go, okay, so do we think that they get anything else going with him from, like, from his route tree and try to find ways to maximize some of the things that we've seen from him in this past or in the past? Because, like, you know, this team has shown a propensity to kind of do a slow build. You know, there's a slow build, a slow progression. I actually think they came they came into uh, the playoffs last year in pretty good shape offensively. I kind of like what they built towards and what they were able to execute uh, for the most part in the playoffs last year, for instance. And so is this something where, hey, we're going to try to get him involved. We're going to try to get him involved in the core principles of what we do. We know what he can do. We're going to try to exploit those strengths. We're going to try to exploit those strengths down the road because like that is one of the things that that's a calling card of Andy Reid is, hey, we're going to take your strengths and exploit them. Yeah, and it's definitely possible, right? Like you go through and you see the way this offense is progressing kind of from week to week. I think, I mean, it's a good time to talk about. It seems like roles, offensive roles, especially for receivers are becoming a little bit more clear for the Chiefs now, right? Juju's working over the middle of the field or he's working on outbreaking routes from a content spot. Sky Moore is almost exclusively backside and three by one stuff, or occasionally they will motion a tight end over to his side and he'll still run from over there. But like, he's pretty much always on the backside of a lot of these concepts. McCole Hardman still working out of the slot and whether he's breaking on a deep over or a deep post, like 
they're starting to get these relatively base level ideas and concepts for each of the receivers. So maybe as it keeps going, maybe once you hit playoff time, they have kind of ironed out where they're going to use MVS and how it's going to work. I just keep going back to this. I watch him try to make a hard 90 degree break and I just don't like it that much. I don't think it looks very good. I don't think it looks crisp. And I, while he's a big guy, I don't think he uses all 6'4", 205 pounds to create separation on these things. So when he's not making a hard break and you know getting separation based on his athleticism, I don't think he's getting it necessarily off of physicality either. I think they're kind of struggling on how to incorporate a guy of his skill set into their offense. I trust Andy Reid to figure out a way to use him. It's just if MVS becomes a different version, but the same version of McCole Hardman, in which he's running, you know, three routes effectively, and they're only trying to hunt him down on those three routes, is that going to be sustainable when you no longer have a Tyree kill out there as well? Maddie, I want you. Uh, I want you to envision something really quick. Close your eyes. Dream with me. It's not. Harrison Bucker's lining up for an onside kick. The chances of regaining possession are slim. The stakes are high and the tension is higher. Your pulse is racing. He kicks and he watches the ball lands. Make every play feel this exciting with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL and their unbeatable offers. Right now, new customers can make any $5 NFL bet and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Check this out. In addition to the usual bets, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Uh, keep an eye on that uh, that Chiefs-Niners game this week. There might be some to check out there. To make things even sweeter, you can throw down on stepped-up same-game parlays once per game day all season long. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code KCSN to get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Just place a $5 bet on any football game. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook using, I cannot emphasize this enough, promo code KCSN. That's KCSN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for more details. Uh, Maddie, anything else with the uh, with the wide receiver position that you want to touch on? Um, I mean, I don't think specifically with the wide receiver room, right? Like I said, I, th- I think you're starting to see some specific roles come out. I am interested to see over the next couple of weeks, specifically the first two weeks out of the bye week. So the Chiefs next three games, it's the next month of football. How do these roles develop? I think it's worth, you know, putting a pin in and saying, okay, we see where it's going. Let's see where it ends up and come back and, you know, circle back to this right now. So I think you're starting to see a little bit of it. The plan starting to come together. I'm interested to see where it goes, but nothing else from this game other than, Please find somebody who can beat man coverage. Yeah, Please. I mean that's always that's kind of always been something with this team too. Like it's not new, and I mean, and it feels like you know, like I, I hope you know maybe you hope Mahomes kind of tries to fit some balls in that you saw him do. I don't know if it was man coverage in that McColl play, but like he just he was willing to throw into a tight little window, and he literally handed that ball into McColl's hip in the red zone. Like that was a beautiful, beautiful play. I mean, um, even the sky more deep crosser where he kind of threw from the left side of the field to the right. I think that was man coverage and he just puts it in the perfect spots. Like, yeah, he's capable of doing it. They just don't do it enough. And I don't think that that's where they kind of want to live. And so they need someone that can create a little bit more separation right now. They have one guy consistently creating separation. His name's sky Moore. He's a rookie and he plays, you know, the second least amount of snaps out of all their wide receivers. 
play Sky more. Uh, hit the like button. Hit the subscribe button, too, if you are watching this. It helps us grow the channel. helps us as we're kind of doing all this stuff. So we would really appreciate that. Um, okay, so I don't want to be too much of a downer. Do it. It's not, We've been pretty positive so far. I think it's fair. I I am so underwhelmed by the running back room. And I know it's Ooh. not the most important position in football. And I know it's not the most valuable thing. but Part of why this team has been getting off schedule is because of some... Look, Andy Reid has a tendency. If you get a first down incompletion, it's a second down run, okay? But it does not feel like this team is doing much with these second down runs that they're getting. I am starting to get <laughs> extremely over... Sorry, I'm a little under the weather still. Um, I loved I loved Clyde Edwards-Alaire coming out. And we all talked about, hey, look, dude, dynamic pass catcher, the best Texas route we've seen since since Christian McCaffrey and good vision and, you know, good contact balance, ex ex impressive contact balance. Hey, you know what? He doesn't have a trump guard. He doesn't have an extra gear. He doesn't have elite burst. He doesn't have long speed. Okay, here's the problem. The burst, the long speed, and the athleticism has popped up tremendously for him. And I saw it on one of the second down runs this week where he tried to run wide and Matt Milano tripped him up with, with great ease. The lack of explosion in the running back room with Clyde Edwards-Alaire, who is trusted to do everything. like They tr they can trust him. They, tr they feel comfortable putting more on his plate than Isaiah Pacheco because I know everybody that's listening, this is going to just clamor for Isaiah Pacheco. I don't think it's that easy. Um, but it's just it's so obvious and i don't think that the chiefs have done a great job of me of putting him in runs that are best fit for him and i well not consistent <coughs> not consistently and i i don't think that he has enough at times to be the workhorse back i don't think he has enough to be the worst workhorse back it's starting to become a problem to me and i think you saw it in the margins of this football game I think that's where you really are starting to see it, right? I, I don't, I'm with you. I really liked Clyde Odilaire coming out of college. And I thought Deuce Staley comps were bold. They were very lofty, but I it was think Brian it was, Westbrook. That's right. Brian Westbrook. Sorry. I different Eagles running back. Yeah. Brian yeah. Westbrook. And that's where the Texas route comes from. And you still see it even this year. They're using him as a receiver and it shows up. It looks good. He has to open on a Texas route again this week versus the bills. They didn't throw it to him, but it was there. He has that, but that's kind of all he has for the NFL, right? He's not very elusive in the open field unless he's already running full speed. As a runner, now the Chiefs don't do him any favors, and you know we don't need to go down that road again, even though this week it was exceptionally bad what they decided to do in the run game. But like focusing just on the running back, this year, I think this is his best year in the NFL in terms of yards after contact per attempt. 2.6, which is actually isn't bad. That lands him at eighth in the NFL so far this year. But here's the thing. He's only got two broken tackles on the year. That all comes because he's had on both of his, two of his longer runs, he has broken a tackle right at the line of scrimmage, which is good. That's what you want. And then they've gone for a long run. Two broken tackles. That's it. Total yards after contact this year, 153. That's not great. That's not a lot. Like he's not falling forward. And this game might've been the most egregious one of the bunch. He just, there's a couple plays to the outside where I don't think he ran it particularly well, but then he was taken out by an arm tackle. 
he fell, he didn't fall forward even for half a yard. There's a big difference between a two-yard run and a four-yard run because you just happened to stumble forward. There's a massive difference. You watch the Raiders, even when the Chiefs bottled them up, Jacobs, again, bigger, powerful back. He's pushing that pile and getting six or seven on a play that the Chiefs blocked up rel- or you know fitted up relatively well. Now, all of a sudden, Clyde Edwards, a layer comes in. If it's fitted up well, one yard. If it's not fitted up well, but there's one free guy, three yards, four yards. He just he is struggling to make a guy miss. And even more than make a miss, he is struggling to get a couple hidden yards. I'm ready to say it, Kent. It's hurting the team. It's hurting the team. I think he's still the best all-around runner of their running backs. He runs zone stuff better than Pacheco. He runs gap stuff better than McKinnon. He's a little bit more patient than both of those guys. I think he has better vision than Pacheco does right now. You know, a little bit harder to bring down. Like he, you know, he's the most all-around runner that they have. The problem is his issues, his flaws are becoming or have been so significant in specific spots that I think it's hurting the team. I think they would do better just dealing with Pacheco's lack of vision and lack of patience, but the fact that he hits the hole at 100 miles an hour, because yeah, you might not get as many eight or nine yard runs, but you're going to have a lot less zero to one yard runs as well. And there's a lot of them. And it's just like, you talk about the missed tackles and it's just like, there's no buildup speed. There's no buildup to, to any kind of gear. And I think that shows up a lot. Like I think some missed tackles happen because you're able to get to some kind of full speed, but like, it doesn't feel like Clyde has anything real, any real juice that's allowing him to kind of impose his will anyway, or it's not even necessarily about imposing will all the time. It's just being able to be, to be so downhill, even that you're just bouncing off of guys. And it just, he doesn't have any of that juice right now. And that's just, it's, it's frustrating. It's like, I, I liked Clyde Edwards a lot coming out, but it's just, there's just, there's just so much to be desired in that whole running back room. I don't think you can trust Jarek McKinnon week in week out to carry a full workload. They're probably saving him a little bit for the playoffs because he's been a guy that's had injury history. I think Isaiah Pacheco is a whole lot of fun. You know, you guys think people know how we feel about Isaiah Pacheco. I think there's kind of some, I think there's some flaws in how he runs too. I don't think he runs sure. like with, he kind of, it's kind of weird. It's like anything below his waist. I think he kind of struggles with some contact balance too. Like, I think he kind of can come down easily at stuff around his lower, lower half. Um, when he's playing and running with the natural lean, obviously he's got the bulk and the physicality to kind of be able to impose his will. But I think there's even some kind of holes in how he runs a little bit that's going to make it problematic too. I don't know if running back's a big need for this football team necessarily, but it's also not a not a need. Like it's becoming a problem. Like I think I think that room just like if you're gonna if the Chiefs are gonna operate the way that they operate, and that's that's if they incomplete first round first and ten, probably getting a second down run. I. There's gotta be they gotta put themselves in more more third and manageables. And it's just like this week it was it was just not enough. Nope. I don't I don't disagree with you. Um I did want to look at this from Casey Chiefs 21. If a first round draft pick wasn't used on Clyde, he doesn't think he starts every game. I can't say I disagree. I think the one holdup I have with that is going back to the well-rounded thing. Putting Clyde Rizzi out there does at least make defenses assume there can be a run or a pass play. If it's Pacheco right now, you're probably leaning run. Yes, he can still get out and pass protect. Yes, he can still catch the ball. But the Chiefs are more likely to run if it's Pacheco or if Ronald Jones was out there. It's most likely a run. 
if it's McKinnon, you're probably thinking pass, right? Not that he can't run. And I think that's probably played into some of his more success as a Chiefs running back is you, you see McKinnon out there. Most defenses are probably leaning towards the pass a little bit. So Clyde is the most even keeled of the bunch, especially this year where he's been a dangerous receiver and the Chiefs are willing to run him frequently. The, that keeps a little bit of like the feeling of neutral. You know, they can go either way. They can be balanced with him out there. So I do think he would still get a lot of reps, even if he was the third a third round draft pick instead of a first. I do think though, there would be probably a little bit more of a open competition, so to speak, for the job leading up to the season to see if anyone could replace him. I, I think he'd still be where he's at, honestly, for the most part. Maybe a little bit more, more more competition, maybe a little bit more assets invested in the position. But I mean, I I I agree. I still think he's the best player. I just for the position, I just don't I I'm I'm increasingly underwhelmed. Um anything else on offense, Matthew? Um, I think the offensive lines caught a lot of heat this week, and I don't think they were particularly good. But I don't think they were bad enough that the Bills were watching. I don't think they were bad enough that the, the Bills pass rush forced them to change their offensive game plan. Um, yes, I've seen the clips of, you know, Wiley, Orlando Brown Jr. getting beat relatively quickly, but I don't think the Chiefs ever had to alter their entire game plan to to still have success. They still had success in the third quarter and early fourth quarter doing the same stuff they would, whether there was a pass rush there or not. So offensive line may not have been great. I don't think this is their worst showing. I just think the Bills had a great pass rush plan to have Von Miller rush high, somebody else rush low off the edge, and then Milano was you know shading over as a spy to spill the opposite of the high side rusher. Essentially, they were trying to force Mahomes into scrambling and playing for a spy to be there, and it worked over and over again. Great plan. Excellent job by the Bills. I even like the high-low rush plan with you know, out of a four-man pass rush without Milano sitting there spying. I think that was really smart when you have a speed rusher like Miller versus two tackles that struggle to block deep up the arc. But I don't think that was the most limiting thing for the Chiefs passing offense in this one. I'm curious to see what the matchup looks like next time, how much they employ that, if they try anything else how prepared the Chiefs will be for that. Because they will be prepared for it. And guess what? They're probably going to see it a few times here uh, during the rest of the season. Like, I think some teams will try to duplicate that a little bit because that just seems to happen uh, a little bit here with this team. So a uh, lot of, they're going to get a lot of reps looking at that stuff, I have a feeling. Moving over to the defensive side of the ball, uh, I let's start with this. I, oh. I have no problems with Steve Spagnuolo's game plan at all. I just like no, not all not at all is probably not the fairest statement. I don't really have a ton of problems with it. I I know everyone's beat up about why didn't you give Joshua Williams help? Nah, 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 nah. I think you live by the blitz and you die by the blitz. And I still like we we kind of talked about this a little bit here, you know, uh, you know, on on Sunday on the post game show. I look I farther away from it. I'm completely fine with what they did and the choices that they made and. Yeah, I know Josh Williams didn't get help a couple plays and the Chiefs or the Bills exploited him, but those are low percentage throws. Except for against the Chiefs, those are apparently quite high percentage throws. Like, and I don't mean that like as a tongue in cheek thing. It's just the Chiefs have been terrible defending go balls and wide receiver one. So, I mean, you know, maybe there should have been a little bit more expectation that it would come in there. But yeah, the Chiefs gave up 24 points to the Buffalo Bills. You know, one of the best offenses in the NFL, and they gave up 24 points and a whole touchdown. And if I, one of the entire touchdowns came with like what uh, a minute and a half left or whatever in the game, like what 
what is the problem there? What is the issue of the defense? Like we're upset because it looked bad to have a rookie get beat in a one-on-one play deep over the top. But what don't you see is the other seven times they blitzed and that rookie wasn't beat one-on-one over the top for a big play, right? Like the Bills essentially had two successful plays on 11 blitzes from the Chiefs, I believe it was in this game. Why would we not ride with those numbers? Like that seems like the most logical thing to do in this game. Now, I don't like the situation of the Stefan Diggs touchdown. I think blitzing from like the 18-yard line on first and 10 why? What happened? Best case scenario, you get a sack on Josh Allen, who's big as hell that you already can't bring down. Maybe he lose five yards. Okay, now it's second and 15, still in the red zone, very chip shot field goal, right? The risk reward for that blitz is low. And the Bills, I think, had already shown they kind of have a plan in the red zone on how to beat your blitz. It's max protect or heavy protection, throw a fade route versus your rookie corner. They just showed you that and to come back and do it again in an even worse spot. The Gabe Davis one was at least from the 34 in a two-minute situation. A sack there matters. A sack on that Stefan Diggs play doesn't matter at all. So, you know, maybe I can gripe a little bit there, but just in terms of blitzing a lot, Chiefs didn't blitz enough. Another thing, I'll be straight up saying, they didn't blitz enough. Their only success was blitzing or sim pressure and then dropping out, making Allen think pressure was coming. That's it. Those are the only time they had success. Blitz more, show more pressure. I don't like that the Chiefs backed off of it for the two-minute drill and in the fourth quarter. I think that's kind of what cost them, you know, the extra scores. I don't want to say the game, but that cost them points right there. I did. I I said before the the two minutes touchdown happened. Like, hey, I I think this is going to be bad things for the Chiefs. I th- I said I think they're going to score a touchdown. Um, I just kind of my gut, and it's because like I look at like. I think the Bills have Steve Spagnuolo's number in some of these kind of, um, you know, situational football stuff. I think the Bills have kind of done some really good things against Steve Spagnuolo the last couple of years. Like the, them having to play tempo for like, like the last two minutes, last three and a half minutes or what have you of the AFC divisional round last year. I know that that was a depleted <laughs> secondary, but like it just didn't seem like there was there was any stopping them regardless of who was on the field. And then, <coughs> sorry, <laughs> same thing kind of here on, on this, this week too. It's like, once they got that first for that first, first down, I just, I wasn't confident. And it only took three plays. I believe right after that, they just drove down the field with great ease because yep. that's just, it just kind of feels like the bills have been able to get chunk plays in these special situations against the chiefs. And that's kind of where, you know, a little bit of gripe there. I don't, they got to figure something out there. I do agree with you, Maddie. Though I think the the second one was probably the one like I have the most questioning about when it comes to you know the, the Stefan Diggs touchdown. Anything else on defense, though? Anything else that you just kind of you want to get off your chest today? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a fair bit. This like you know I, we started kind of high, we've hit a little bit of low notes, so let's go back to I think a higher note here. Um, the Chiefs secondary, okay, it's depleted. Yes, you're going to get better players. They're a little unproven right now, so we don't know how good they're going to be but I can tell you what does change even with Rashad Finn, who I think anybody listening knows that we don't particularly think is that great. I don't know if he makes a big difference on some of these plays versus Joshua Williams, but with Rashad Fenton out there, what the chiefs don't have to do play static cover two all the time, play static cover three all the time, get Trent McDuffie back as well. As much as I like Jalen Watson, there's still some limitations that having him out there has put on the secondary that weren't there in early in the preseason or early in the Cardinals game. This Chiefs team has played a lot of static zones this year, especially as you've gotten these younger, 
not as highly thought of corners, at least earlier in their career, out there on the field, they've played static zones. Go back and watch some of these big chunk plays the Bills are getting, not the touchdowns, but you know, we're talking about that third and 13 completion. We're talking about some of those deep, longer completions in the second half. Static cover two, static cover three. So like it's, that's being played because of the, the rookie, the young defensive backs. No, Brian Cook, who I know is a rookie, but he got more reps than Deion Bush has. Justin Reed's a little banged up and new to the system. Maybe that plays a role. No Trent McDuffie, no Rashad Fenton, no Willie Gay. The linebackers not having Willie Gay out there in nickel, it matters asking Darius Harris to flex out over the slot over a tight end and then play, you know, curl flat versus just having Darius Harris play a basic static, you know, uh, curl zone or hook zone right in the middle of the field. Like they are doing so much simpler stuff that requires less athleticism and less skill on the defensive end not because they're necessarily missing significantly better players that we know of, but because they're missing guys that can do more, that know more about the playbook or how to execute. So I think the Chiefs defense has been very, very bland when not blitzing so far this year, and none more than this Bills game where they were just static zone after static zone. And then I want to come back and say it again. They allowed 24 points to one of the NFL's best defenses, essentially being forced to play static zone coverage. Before you have to yell at Steve Spagnuolo again, keep that in mind. They are playing static zone coverage like it's 1984 against the Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen's offense and only allowed 24 points. Like, that's worth something. Maddie, I felt like death last week. Uh, I had, obviously, I had COVID. I couldn't taste anything. The first thing, and this is not a joke, the first thing I could taste was death. It was liquid death. They, you might notice there's some strange tall boys of beer in the bottled water section of your local stores. It's not beer. It's actually mountain spring water from the Alps, and it's called liquid death. Why is this water called liquid death? Well, because it will brutally murder your thirst, and their infinitely recyclable tall boy cans are helping to bring death to plastic bottles. They also donate 10% of the profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. I literally, the first thing I could taste coming out of COVID was uh was lime seltzer liquid death go get liquid death at your local woodman 7-eleven roundies or high v or find a liquid death retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com slash kcsn that's liquiddeath.com slash kcsn maddie any other defensive takes before we get out of here just last one um pass rush four man pass rush bad we got the you know chiefs got to figure out something there right um I part of this is probably also static zone coverage, right? Like when you're playing static zone coverage, it's easier to get the ball out quick because it's kind of, if you're picking up that that's what the Chiefs are doing, you know where the opening is going to be. You can get to it faster, but the four man pass rush isn't good. This was actually the first week in a while that I didn't feel like the pass rush was working as a unit. There was a few too many plays where I saw guys stunting and the opposite side guys weren't rushing to help the stunt. This was the first time in a while I have seen guys crossing out of their gaps, losing rush lane integrity a little bit more frequently to try to get pressure that they still weren't particularly getting. So I, I think this is a this game was a step back for the pass rush one because the Bills offensive line wasn't very good. And then they had an injury to an already not very good player. But two, I don't think they worked very cohesively as a unit in this one. That's something they had been good at. The sack numbers aren't there, but their overall effectiveness in the four-man rush had actually been decent, even though nobody was winning one-on-ones. It's because they were playing complimentary football. This game, it wasn't there. I just the pass rush didn't look right. The four-man pass rush didn't look right. 
Maybe it was an Allen thing being afraid of the run. Maybe it was the extra static zone action behind it. I'm not sure, but there's something that needs to be fixed. I think it will be hard for the Chiefs to win a Super Bowl without an improvement to the defensive line in some level. I don't know if it's versus the run, interior, on the outside, a pass rush, or whether it's just Carl Loftus starting to pick things up. Frank Clark getting healthy, Dunlap, you know, hitting a stretch where he's just grooving. They'll need something to pick up, I think, to win the Super Bowl with this pass rush. Before we got here, yes or no, do the Chiefs make a trade for a defensive lineman? No, but they will have a new defensive lineman at some point in time. I don't know if it'll be a sign or a trade. It's one of the two, though. Fair enough. That is going to do it for the KC Laboratory. Thank you all so much for listening. Thanks for bearing with me while I go through this cough. We'll catch you later.